If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet this morning, my name is John. I serve as the lead pastor here at Elmwood. And as Chris mentioned earlier, today after the worship gathering, we are having a congregational budget meeting. Uh, As we transition from one fiscal year to the next, uh, which for us means the beginning of January is a new financial fiscal year, we spend time thinking more specifically, more intentionally as a leadership team about our finances and about stewardship. Actually, you might not know this, but our budget season starts in August, where we assemble a, you know, a budget team and we start looking at last year and looking at this year and kind of just making sure that we're keeping stock of where things are. And we begin the process of uh, crafting a budget for the next year that is the wisest use of our resources. And so uh, that's the process that we have found ourselves in. And uh, today is the sort of final result of that, where we get to vote on that proposed budget. And it's become our tradition that on the Sunday mornings of our budget meeting, we spend time talking about money or stewardship or generosity or things like this. Now, obviously, this is not the only time that we talk about these things, but we talk about them in a special sort of uh, give them a sort of special emphasis on a Sunday like this. We also think it's really important that we don't see our budget meeting just as something that's tacked on to the end of our time here on Sunday morning. Right? Like our budget meeting is just sort of a, you know, addition to our normal Sunday morning. The way that we want our church family to view this time here together is that this hour we get together before our budget meeting is actually the preparation for the meeting. It's an extended introduction to the meeting because what we need as we go to talk about money and think about our stewardship and of our finances and resources as a church, what we need is to first spend time worshiping Jesus and singing, and praying, and hearing the word of God, and thinking about the generosity that God has poured out on us in Jesus, that is going to enable us to have a great meeting where we talk about money. And so uh, we view this time together as a preparation for the budget meeting that is happening immediately after the service here today. Uh, This morning we're going to be looking at Psalm 67, and as we look at Psalm 67, we're going to be thinking about the subject of God's blessing in our lives. And more specifically, we are going to be looking at Psalm 67 and seeing how it gives us a pattern of how to pray for the all-encompassing blessing of God in our lives. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read Psalm 67, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to spend a little bit of time, a few minutes, looking at this passage together. You can find this on page 838 in the blue Bible that you can see in front of you in the seat back. Otherwise, you can follow along in your own Bible or on a mobile device of your choice. But listen as I read Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still, so that all the ends of the earth will fear 
him. God, we come before you this morning and we recognize you as the source of every good thing. As we come to you this morning, Lord, we are mindful of all of the myriad of ways that you have provided for us individually, all of the ways that you have provided for us as a church family. And God, we want to express our gratitude and our thankfulness for the blessings that you have poured out on us. Lord, as we think about this passage for just a few brief moments this morning, we pray, Spirit, that you would meet us here. We pray in a unique and special way that you would be present among us and that you would be instructing us and teaching us and that you would give each one of us exactly what we need here this morning. So God, be with us now, we pray. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, As you came in this morning, uh, did you all get a copy of this? This little half sheet? If you didn't, go ahead and raise your hand and my man Tim is going to walk around and pass one of these out to you. This is uh, just a little half sheet that has Psalm 67 on it. And I'm passing this out. This is like maybe the first time I've ever given like a handout (laughs) like this here on Sundays. Uh, But a couple of reasons why I gave this to you. Number one is because I didn't want to fit all this teeny tiny little text up on the screen and try and show you this. I wanted you to be able to see the structure of this psalm because the way that the psalm writer has organized and structured this material is really important for us understanding uh, what this psalm is actually saying. And also, I wanted you to be able to have this, uh, to be able to use it uh, later this week, and I'll give you some instructions for how to do that later. But uh, Tim is passing those out, and as we look at Psalm 67 this morning, sort of the direction that we're headed is this. It is good to pray for the all-encompassing blessing of God in our lives. It is good and it is right to pray for the all-encompassing blessing of God in our lives. Tim, there's a couple more over on this side whenever you're ready. As we think about the blessing of God this morning and as we look at the psalm, we're going to see uh, that blessing. We can sort of uh, break that up into two different categories. And we're going to look at both of those this morning. So the first thing that we see this morning is that it is good to pray for the spiritual blessing of God in our lives. It's good, it's right to pray for the spiritual blessing of God in our lives. The first verse of Psalm 67 says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. Those three verbs that are used there uh, for be gracious and to bless and to make his face shine on us, those three verbs are basically copied and pasted from a different part of the Hebrew Bible, which we call the Old Testament. It's from a passage in the book of Numbers, which is not the place where most of us spend a whole lot of time in our Bible reading plans. Uh, But nonetheless, this is uh, from Numbers chapter 6, where it says this. This is God's instruction for how the priests are to bless the people of Israel. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So this is how God instructed his, the, the priest to bless the people. And central to this blessing, you can see it mentioned twice there, is God turning his face towards the people. God making his face shine on the people. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've always felt like this idea of God making his face shine on us is a little bit like, I just didn't quite understand it. 
and it feels a little bit unusual to me, but the more that I think about this, the less unusual this becomes. I think we intuitively get this. Giving someone your attention by looking at them is a way of giving yourself to them. When you look someone in the eye, when you give them the dignity of your attention, you are giving yourself to that person. Or think about it the opposite way. Think about how irritating or how frustrating or how dehumanizing it feels when you are with someone physically and their face is not turned towards you, their face is turned towards their phone. Or maybe you're out at a restaurant and their face or their eyes are turned up at a screen that's nearby. Or think about it like this. When we are disgusted with something or someone, what do we do? We turn away. You maybe have said this to someone else, or maybe you have heard someone say this to you. I'm so disgusted, I can't even look at you right now. I'm so angry, I'm so hurt, I can't even be near you. And so we know this intuitively, that turning your face towards or away from someone is not just a physical act. Turning your face towards someone is a way of giving yourself to them. Turning your face away from someone is a way of removing yourself from them emotionally and relationally. So we understand this, and this is true of God in the Bible as well. In the Bible, turning your face towards someone is a sign of blessing. It's a sign of favor. It is a sign of your presence. It is a sign that you are for that person. The story of the Bible is that God has turned his face towards us. From the very beginning of the Bible all the way through, it is a story of how God has turned his face towards us. We see just in the Hebrew Bible how God has given us his unfailing covenant promises. How God has given us his life-giving instruction, his word and his law. We've seen how God has given us the gift of his presence. How God has given us the gift of covenant community, the covenant community of his people. And all throughout the Old Testament, we see all these ways that God has turned his face towards us and set himself for our good. We see all kinds of ways. And then we come to the New Testament, and we see the clearest, most climactic expression of God turning his face towards us and giving us his presence, giving us his self, by giving us his son, Jesus. Jesus is the clearest and ultimate example of God turning his face towards us and setting himself for our good. So the entire Bible tells us that God desires to bless us. And we see the spiritual blessing of God here to be gracious to us and to bless us and to make his face shine upon us. The whole Bible is clear that God desires to bless us. And as a result of that, what that means is that it is good and it is right for us to ask God for more of his spiritual blessing. It is good and right for us to ask God that our hearts would more and more sense his love and his pleasure over us. It is good and it is right that we would ask more and more to be convinced of our identity as his children, as sons and daughters. It is good and it is right for us to ask God that we would be more and more conformed into the image of Jesus, that we would have an increased experience of life in his presence, and we would have an increased experience of what it means to abide in him and walk in the power and in the presence of the Spirit. It is good for us to ask for more of God's spiritual blessing. But not only this, 
it is good for us to pray for the material blessing of God in our lives. Look at the handout. And as you do, what you'll see, if you follow the structure that's laid out here, it's sort of set up like a sandwich, where there's the first two verses mirror or parallel the last two verses. In the first two verses, it begins with, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. So in those first verses, we see uh, the psalmist asking God for his spiritual blessing. But then in verse six, we see this, the land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. So in verse six, the blessing of God is expressed to the people in fields that bear a crop. The blessing of God is expressed through economic prosperity, right? Through fields that abundantly produce harvest and through having an abundance of resources. And then in verse seven, may God bless us still. So we see in the first part, the psalmist is asking God for an increase in his spiritual blessing. And then in the last part, we see the psalmist asking God, praying for more of the material blessing of God. Now, I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands for how many of you are starting to feel just like a little bit uncomfortable right now. For how many of you are like restraining yourself from like shifting in your seats and maybe you're thinking to yourself, I thought I knew what kind of church this was. (laughs) But maybe I'm not so sure anymore. You know, we've been so trained to reject the prosperity gospel that talking about material prosperity at all makes us feel uncomfortable. It makes us feel dirty. It makes us feel ashamed. You know, we say, I would never pray like this, especially in front of a group of people. We've been so trained to reject the nonsense of the prosperity gospel, which is nonsense, by the way, that if you just have enough faith, you're going to be wealthy and you're, you know, you're going to receive the healing and you're going to get all the good, you know, physical benefits of God if you just have enough faith. That's nowhere in the Bible. And we've been so trained to reject that That in some ways, we have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. The discomfort we feel is because I think it's possible that many of us have set up a false dichotomy where the spiritual things of God are good and the material things of God are what? Bad. At the very least, to be looked at with suspicion. You know, spiritual things are really, really good and material things, and. They're okay, but not too much. And so we've created this false dichotomy where spiritual things are good, material things are bad. And that's part of why we feel so uncomfortable coming to a psalm like Psalm 67, which talks about the material prosperity of God. And this psalm gives us a pattern for how to pray for these things. It shows us that it is good not only to recognize that the material and the economic prosperity we experience is a gift from God in the first place. It tells us not only to receive it as a good gift from God, this psalm also gives us a pattern for how we can pray for more and more of God's material blessing. With that being said, we all know that there is a danger, right? We all know that it's possible for us to pray for the material blessing of God and to do so in ways that are distorted and twisted and sinful. We all know that it's possible for us to ask God for his material blessing because we've created an idol out of comfort or out of safety 
or out of security or out of pleasure or out of approval or acceptance. And so we desperately need all of those physical, material blessings of God in order to feed the thing that our heart truly loves, which is not God himself. So it is possible, right? We all know this. It's possible for us to ask God for his material blessing in a way that's distorted, in a way that's sinful, in a way that is twisted. But I think the lesson that we can take from this psalm is this. If our hearts are in tune with God's, we should never be ashamed to ask for more. If our hearts are in tune with God's heart, we should never feel uncomfortable or ashamed. We should never blush to ask God for more of what we know he desires to give us in the first place. If our hearts are in tune with him, we should never be ashamed to ask for more. Grab that handout one more time. And what we see as we look at the psalm is we can see the heart of the psalm writer is in tune with God's heart. So verse 1, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. And then in verse 6, the land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. So his asking for the material and for the spiritual blessing of God is not just so that he can be a consumer of the good gifts of God, so that he can be a conduit, that through him those blessings of God would go out and that all people would come to know the God that he knows. We see it in the central part there. Sandwiched in the middle in verse 3. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. Then it repeats the exact same thing in verse 5. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. And then sandwiched in the middle of all this, the central focus, the, sort of the climax of the psalm, is verse 4. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. So you can see here that the psalmist is not asking for these spiritual and material blessings of God merely for personal benefit. The psalm writer is asking for these things so that the nations would come to know the God that he knows. He's not asking for self-centered, for selfish reasons, and it's because his heart is in tune with God's heart. God's desire to have his blessing flow to the nations and to have his redemption and his salvation and his prosperity flow out to the nations. That is the lens through which this psalm writer is praying for the material and the spiritual blessings of God. If we have hearts that are in tune with God's heart, we should never be ashamed to ask for more. And of course, we have to recognize that God's ways are perfect. That God's timing is always perfect. That God's will is always perfect. That his answers, whether those answers are yes, no, or later, those answers are always perfect. And so all of these requests that we submit to God for him to pour out his blessing on us are filtered through what we know to be true about his good character and that he will give us what we need when we need it. It is good for us to ask for God's all-encompassing, 
blessing. So the application of this for us is very simple. As we see the psalm writer praying for God's spiritual blessing and praying for God's material blessing so that the nations would come to know who God is, the application for us is pretty simple. Number one, spend time praying for the all-encompassing blessing of God. That's part of why I gave you this sheet, was this might be a helpful tool for you to stick this in your Bible, and it will remind you, you know, I should spend some time praying through Psalm 67 this week. And as you do so, read the psalm and meditate on and ask God for his all-encompassing blessing in your life, but not only your life, also in the life of our church family. Since the beginning of this year, I, along with the rest of our leadership team, have been praying Psalm 67 over our church family. We've been asking that God would pour out his spiritual blessing on us. We've been asking that God would pour out his material blessing on us, that there would be enough resources, there would be enough people, that he would provide for all of our needs. We've been praying this over our church family for the last almost year. And so I invite you to join us. Join me in praying for God's all-encompassing blessing, not only in your life or the life of your family, but also in the life of our church family as well. And then secondly, with that, tune your hearts to God's by looking to Jesus. This probably should have been first (laughs) on the list, right? Because this is the one that's most important. Because this is what we have to do so that we can pray well for God's material and spiritual blessing. Tune your heart to God's by looking to Jesus. As you look to Jesus, you see, God so loved the world that he gave us his son. As we look at Jesus, we see the generosity of God poured out on us. We see the abundance of God. We see God's desire for us to flourish. His desire for us to experience prosperity. We see God's heart for us. We see that in Jesus, God has turned his face towards us. And so we tune our heart to his by seeing that he sent us his son. We tune our hearts to God's by seeing that he desires that we would know him deeply and personally. That each one of us would have an ongoing life experience of abiding in Jesus and walking in step with the Spirit. He desires each and every one of us to know him intimately and deeply and personally and through us that all people would come to know who God is. That through us, more and more people would come to embrace the life-giving way of Jesus. And so we tune our hearts to God's by seeing his desire is to know us personally and through us to reach others. And we tune our hearts to him by seeing that he has poured out his grace on us, not so that we could become consumers of his mercy and his grace, so that we could just receive it and enjoy it for ourselves. He's poured out his grace on us so that we can be conduits of that mercy and grace, and that it would flow out through us to others, and that they would also come to know and follow Jesus. So these are the two points of application. Spend time praying for the all-encompassing blessing of God, And tune your heart to God's by looking to Jesus. When our hearts are in tune with God's, we should never be ashamed to ask for more. As we come to the communion table today, we get to remember and celebrate the generosity of God given to us in Jesus. And as we come forward 
we get to receive the blessing of God in the broken body and shed blood of his son Jesus. We get to receive the mercy of God given to us and we see the clearest demonstration of God's generosity and his turning his face towards us and his blessing on us by sending us his son. As we come to the communion table today, I want to invite you to take just a few moments of silence for confession and reflection and then we will come to the table together.